You're listening to the Yakima Chief Hops Podcast Network. of Bigger Than Beer. I am honored to be joined in the studio today by two special guests. They are not only special guests on the podcast, but they are also special guests to the Yakima Valley this week. We have two Pink Boot Society members here in the studio with us um, who joined us for a tour, a, a trip down to Yakima's hop country as part of a Pink Boot Society scholarship trip, and we're really pleased to have them. We've been going on some really awesome facility tours throughout Yakima Chief Pops, um, the pellet plant, we did our Aroma Dome Sensory Lab. Uh, we've kind of been all over the place uh, in a great educational aspect to kind of give some educational opportunities to different Pink Boots Society members and uh, we have five women who've been joining us on this trip it's been fantastic so i'm very excited to have two of them here today to kind of provide a little bit of background for those not familiar with the pink boots society um, it's an organization that was established to assist inspire and encourage women in the fermented and alcohol beverage industry through education um, so we have sarah rael a co-founder of the brewery in planning the Hot Plate Brewing, and Erica Deanda, head brewer at Tumbled Rock Brewing. Um, so this, these last two days have been filled with educational opportunities, and I'm very excited to introduce you all today. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over and let you introduce yourselves. Also, tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry, your background, um, and what led you to your career that you're in today. Okay, well, I'm Sarah Real, co-founder of Hot Plate Brewing Company, and uh, hopefully we'll be opening in the Berkshires um, in Western Massachusetts sometime next year. And I have always been a fan of craft beer. Um, and after driving cross country and having a stop at New Belgium before they kind of blew out, I was like, this is, this is cool. This is, I, this, I wanna do this. Um, and it was a, many years where I didn't. I, was, I said, oh, I need to actually pay bills and, you know, go into a corporate job. And then a few years ago, it was like, no, now's the time. Let's, let's do this. Um, and I pestered the New York City Pink Boots Association or the, their, their local chapter um, if I could join because I just wanted to learn and I just was annoying people. And finally, it was like, okay, you can come to some of the social stuff, fine. And I just started making inroads there, joined the Pink Boots Brew Day in a couple of places. And again, the craft beer community is just so welcoming and so small. And there are so many women in New York City brewing, owning breweries, working in the industry, selling beer. And so I have just learned so much. So we just moved to the Berkshires about, uh, I think, a month ago from Brooklyn. So learning a different pace of life that I very much welcome. Um, but I've been homebrewing with my husband for a number of years now. And, you know, we just, we're trying to get our reps in, get our recipes down, all of that, understand that homebrewing is not running any sort of brew pub or, you know, scaling up. But I, I love the community. I love beer. Uh, and I am very excited to have a place where, you know, everybody is welcome and we're part of the community. That's awesome. I love the community aspect that you're talking mm. about. 
and kind of your, your journey into like you wanted to, to get in there, kind of make your mark and get involved so you get those educational opportunities as well. Erica, what about you? Um, yeah, so my name is Erica DeAnda. Um, I'm the head brewer at Tumbled Rock uh, Brewery and Kitchen up in Devil's Lake, Wisconsin. Um, right, or, Well, it's in Baraboo, right outside of Devil's Lake. I've been in the beer industry since about 2014. Um, I was a server at a, a very swanky restaurant in Jack London Square. Um, so I'm originally from California, uh, born and raised. And um, I just hated it. And I was like, I need to find something different. I was like 22, 23. Like, what am I going to do? I met my uh, my partner at that time, and he was a chef working for a Michelin-starred chef who happened to be opening a um, little brew pub with another brewer out in Oakland, and they were looking for servers. I applied, got hired, started working there, and I knew nothing about beer. I knew that I didn't really drink it. Um, you know, I was very young. I liked to drink, like, fruity things, cocktails, Long Islands, because it was cheap and it would get me drunk. Um, so I really knew nothing about it. And we really had to emerge ourselves into beer culture because um, the food was one part of the restaurant, but the beer that we sold um, was not only made in-house, but we also carried a lot of different beers. And um, the first beer I tried there was Petrus Aged Pale, and my mind was, like, blown. It was like, that's that's beer? Like, I thought, like, Cooler's Light was beer. I thought that was all it could be. Um, so kind of that kind of really started my beer journey. Um, I started just tasting everything that I could. Um, started. The, the gateway. Yeah, really, it really was. Which is funny because now it's, I, I'll drink it every now and then, but now it's not a style that I particularly like. Um, but I met a lot of really wonderful people who had been in the beer industry for a long time. Um, Adam Lamoureux, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, um, but he was the head brewer there, and he was so passionate about beer, and it really spoke to me how he was. He was very community-oriented. He did a lot for the Oakland community, um, and he just really loved beer, and I kind of saw him. He would brew beer in the day, and then at night, he would hang around the restaurant and drink his beer, and I was like, I kind of want, I want that lifestyle, <laughs> Um, from there, I decided I wanted to get fully into beer and get out of serving. So I went to Triple Voodoo in San Francisco, and I started um, beer tending there. And then I ended up getting bar managing position there. Um, one night, I was kind of at my wit's end, and I ended up meeting um, two guys from Speakeasy in San Francisco down the road. They were looking to hire packaging people, and I was like, well, I don't have any experience. They told me to come in anyways, and a week later, I had got hired as a packager, and then, so from packaging, I kind of went into assistant brewing. Um, I assistant brewed at Freewheel in Redwood City under a woman named Alicia Blue. She was an amazing mentor to me. I learned so much from her. And then I kind of decided I needed to get out of California. It was a little bit expensive. I wasn't making a lot of money as an assistant brewer. Ended up going from Freewheel to Monaco Brewing Company, where they hired me. Um, they moved me out there. And... Um, we don't have kids or anything, so it was kind of like we could really go anywhere. So I just applied for jobs. Monaco picked me up. Um, I was there for about three months before I decided it wasn't the place for me. Uh, moved down to Madison, where I worked at Octopi Brewing Company, which is a big um, contract brewery in Wisconsin. And then um, met Michelle and Randy, my current owners. They were opening a new brewery, and I ended up taking the head brewer position up there. And um, yeah, we're about to hit our two-year anniversary, and 
It's it's literally the dream that I had when I was younger, and I used to watch Adam. That's now me. Um, I brew during the day, and then I have my special pint glass, and I get to walk around at night and drink with all the customers and really like engage in our community. And it's like it's really like was end game for me. So it's kind of crazy that 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 it happened the way it did. I love that. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I think it's really interesting to hear both of your different backgrounds. I mean, like a lot of home brewing, you know, in your experience. And then I think I think from your experiences, you know, there's people taking risks like, yeah, come, we're going to take you on this packaging line without experience and like look where it's launched you. Um, and now you get to live exactly the, the career that you were hoping to achieve. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, do you both feel like you have personal personal strengths that have kind of led you in the direction of pursuing a career in, in craft beer that has kind of steered you in that direction? I, I think for me, I have always been fiercely independent, much to the chagrin of my family, basically anyone who knows me. Um, and so part of that independence was just when I was younger being like, I can do anything. Well, the boys are playing basketball on the playground. Why? I don't want to do Foursquare. Foursquare sucks. Let me go play basketball. And then I, I quickly learned a, a lot of my what I wanted to do were, you know, quote unquote, boy things, or like, I love science, I love to build, I love deconstructing things to figure out how they're built. Um, I think that's why recipe writing is really cool and just kind of seeing the whole process through. And that's why this trip has been amazing because I, I love learning and I'm like, oh my gosh, I still have so, I have so much more to learn now. Um, but just, I think just maybe I'm like, well, why can't I do that? Again, much to the chagrin of my family. Um, what I want to do that, but not so. Okay, so I'm gonna, and and that's it. And I think that, especially as a woman in this industry, especially kind of trying to just admit when I don't know something. I'm like, okay, well, who can I speak to to learn about that? Because I don't want to make mistakes, or like, I, maybe you know they don't give me the full answer. But where can I get some learnings to start my journey? And then I go to the, you know, the other direction where we're like, I have to learn everything about that. It's like, no, you can, you can learn a little bit. Uh, so I think that's, that's another thing of just like, why can't I do it? Let me learn everything I can about it. If I don't know it, who can help me, you know, kind of building a team around you of, you don't need to know everything. And in fact, people should really have their special strengths and, and rely, rely on them. Uh, and so those are the kind of things that have helped me just, you know, tamp down the anxiety of like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Um, so that's been, that's been helpful. Um, I definitely think um, perseverance for me. Um, I was a very misguided youth. Um, I never really had any direction in my life. Never really knew what I wanted to do. And um, I've struggled with my, my mental health um, pretty much my whole life. Um, anxiety and depression, um, anxiety being really bad. But I've kind of never let that stop me um, for being as anxious as I am. I'm a risk taker when it comes to my career moves. And I think also you touched on, you know, doing things that the boys did. So when I got into beer, I actually didn't realize that it was a male-dominated industry. I didn't realize any of that. I was just like, this looks awesome, and I want to do it. I had never really been passionate about anything until I found beer. And I really think that the perseverance and the passion that I found in it 
had really helped to push me. And I still struggle with imposter syndrome, um, especially lately. It's been kind of creeping back up. I think just that perseverance of like, you can't stop, you have to keep going. I really think that that's what's kind of allowed me to get to where I am today. And just um, like Sarah said as well, I try to surround myself with people who are smarter than me because they know more than me. And I can learn from them and really um, put myself in that position of, okay, I want to be on top. These people are on top. I need to be in that same circle with them. Um, So for all the mental health issues that I have, the perseverance is the one thing that's always really came through no matter what, um, which is kind of ironic, I guess. You both uh, talked about surrounding yourself with people who you can go ask questions to, who you can find, you know, educational resources. Uh, and I feel like that ties in directly with Pink Boot Society. Would you both be able to talk a little bit more about this organization and, and your experience within it? Yeah, so I've been involved with Pink Boots. Um, when I was working at the Brew Pub in Oakland, um, a girl named Erica had told me about the Pink Boots, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to join. And I joined when I started working at Triple Voodoo. Um, it, I joined right around the time of International um, Women's Brew Day. And um, Kat Wiest, who was a brewer at Speakeasy at the time, and who's, you know, she does a lot in the Pink Boots, came and invited us to come. And so my girlfriend Molly and I, we went down to Speakeasy and we participated, and it was one of the coolest things I'd ever done. It was one of the most inspiring things I'd ever done. Um, so I met Kat Weist and I met Jen Jordan, who were living what I wanted to do. They both really like took me under their wing and have been so incredible. And I think that's what's great about Pink Boots is there's so much great networking. I also find as women, sometimes you feel more comfortable asking somebody who has been kind of in a similar position as you. And it's a bit more, um, not personal, but you feel more open to be able to ask questions because I find that the women in the pink boots don't look down on you. No question is a stupid question. There's always an answer. And for me, it's just been one of the most, um, one of the most amazing things that happened in my career. And um, this is my second scholarship win through the pink boots. And I've also won a scholarship through the Master Brewers Association. So I always try to tell women, like, there's these great opportunities out there. You just have to grab them and the pink boots has been very heavy in my journey, and it's just, I'm very passionate about the boots as well. For me, when I finally said, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this, we're going to we're gonna open a brewery. And, I mean, I have an amazing partner who he was just like, yeah, we are, okay. And I didn't know what that meant. Um, and so, well, what do I do? What does that mean? So I started taking classes on brewing. You know, they have, uh, there's a, a great home brew shop down the block from me in Brooklyn, uh, where we lived at Better Nesters. And so they were great. They were, you know, okay, this is the water class. This is the hops class. This is all this. And then kind of advanced. So in kind of understanding that, like, I didn't just want to do this. But like, oh, it'd be a cool Saturday thing to do. It was like, no, like, I came with my notebook. I was taking notes. Uh, and I, again, I was like, great. I've, I've learned some skills. I've not learned anywhere near everything. What's next? So... I'd found out about, uh, there was this blog, which is now um, kind of expanded, called Hop Culture, and they were doing a Beer Without Beards uh, festival. And so the first one was in Brooklyn, and so it was just all women pours, women-owned breweries, all that, and it was it was 
amazing. I was like, oh my gosh. So I was just, you know, it, it took me a couple tasters to get up the courage to talk to some of them, but it was just like, have your business card. Can I email you? Like, yeah, sure. So I just end up like had a stack of business cards, just cold emailed people. Uh, and, and it was just like, Hey, how do you do this? You know? And there were varied answers of like, don't, you know, that was a common one, but if you do, and so it was, it was really great. And I learned about pink boots at that festival. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. And that's where it kind of, once I looked up all the requirements, everything, I thought, oh, well, I don't really, I can't join yet because I'm not making, you know, X percent. So there were a lot of things and, um, and you know, all our business plan was still just rattling around. It wasn't on paper yet. And so that's where I learned about it. And that's where I was kind of like, whoa, whoa okay, this isn't going to stop me just because just I can't join. <laughs> How can I join? Uh, so that's, that's where I learned about it. And it's been fantastic. And could you clarify for listeners when you're talking about qualifications, oh. kind of what that means, um, just so we can um, help people understand exactly when we're talking about membership, what does that look like? And then also how you're able to, to then join. Sure. Uh, so there are different qualifications you have to have um obviously work in the it used to be beer but now it's you know fermented industry and uh you know there are, are a couple different thresholds you can meet you know 25 i think 25 percent of your income comes from beer or something from that um or you've worked a certain amount of years uh the one that i was like i zeroed in on you can be a brewery and planning so i didn't even though in my head, I was brewery planning. I still was like, well, I can't because I don't have my business plan. I don't have my number, this, all this. And then finally, I was like, "That well, again, that's not going to stop me. I am a brewery in planning. I, and I think they, they do have thresholds of like opening within X number of years. And so I was like, yes, this is going to happen. So finally, my husband and I will be able to actually like tell people we are, you know, once you finally say it to someone, that's when, you know, I think it was, um, uh, Hemingway, you know, said never or always do sober what you say you do drunk, do drunk or yeah, I'm messing up the quote that'll teach you to keep your mouth shut. And it's like, yeah, and it's like, oh, oh, I said it. I, this is happening. Uh, so once we were able, once you know, the words came out of my mouth to others, I, jo I was able to join. I'm like, eh, I'm finally a brewery and planning. And I'm like, I thought there was gonna be a ton of red tape. Like, do you need to see my business plan? Do you need that? And they're like, okay, great. Welcome you know, here, here, give me your credit card for the dues. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's, uh, that's great. So yeah, there are a number of different ways you can qualify to join. Great. Thank you for clarifying. Um, and you're, you know, you're more on the, the business side of things with this whole process. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience has been like to start that process of planning your brewery and making that business side of it happen as well? It's, uh, it has been a lot of, uh, I, so my, my day job, I'm a researcher and, and, and consumer insights. And so I live in Excel and I love putting things in boxes and in my head and just the, my personality, I always go to what can go wrong in this situation. How are we going to fix it? What are our backup plans? My husband is a writer. He's creative, you know, works in marketing. Um, he works for a green tech company now. And so he's very much like, uh, you know, I, I have this wonderful idea and I'm like, all right, here are the five things that are gonna go wrong for sure. Here are another 10 things that could possibly go wrong. So it again took us kind of rejiggering things of him saying like, I'm, I'm gonna take on 
the business side. I'm going to take on, you know, he put a lot of work into the business plan and I'm like, okay, good. You're, you're great with words. I am not so perfect. That's where your skills lie. Um, but again, talking to brewery owners, brewers, consumers, just because my, you know, what I've been trained in is asking questions and asking the same question of a lot of people to pull out a data point. Okay. What does that data point mean? Can I triangulate this? What is, if this person is saying this sucks and this person is saying it sucks, does it actually suck or what do others say? Uh, so understanding, obviously from a homebrew system, you're like, great. I, I picked up my little pack of hops and I have my, you know, my 11 pounds of grain. Uh, and you know, what, well, what are we going to do with it? What can we do? No, just think about that. And then asking people, okay, well, what does that mean when we scale up? Cause again, it's not like, you know, when you go to make a cake, you don't just like double, triple the ingredients, there's chemistry to it. So understanding how we have to scale up. Cause I, I love, I, I love, um, chamomile tea. I would always drink with my grandmother. And so I was like, I want to make a chamomile blonde ale. And so I'm like, this is great on our homebrew system. And then, you know, we want that to be a flagship, but what is that going to cost us? And can we get local chamomile from the community so that we can help local businesses and, you know, bring people in that way. And it's just thinking, thinking about things differently. You know, when you're homebrew, you're like, I want to drink this, so I'm going to make it. And now it's, is that practical? What does that mean when it's, you know, does it change fermentation does it change is that gonna you know be held up in my tanks too much you know all these things that it's like kind of takes the fun out of it a little bit but because I'm a process oriented person it's like okay yes we, we can do this I love let's do the scheduling um but I will be doing the brewing I I write the recipes um my husband he started like he was doing home brewing before I started and I was like I don't want to do it uh so he he's kind of like, well, okay, let's do this. You want to do it. You write the recipes and, and all of that. So, uh, I will be, he will be managing most of the, the, the kind of business stuff, but we do want to hire a head brewer because again, I know what I don't know. And that's a lot. <laughs> and making a mistake on a homebrew system is very different than making it on a seven barrel system. So if anybody wants to move to Pittsfield, Massachusetts and would like a head, brewer, yeah, exactly. There's a woman, or if anybody's looking to get rid of money, Happy to take that as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, Erica, tell me a little bit about, you know, you you went through this process of, of getting into the brewing side, and since getting in on, in on that side as a brewer, what have you done to kind of hone your craft, and what are some resources that you've looked to to uh, improve your skill, learn more, um, and kind of expand your knowledge? Well, I definitely look to the Pink Boots a lot to expand my knowledge. Um, like I said, so I won a scholarship um, about four and a half, almost five years ago um, to Siebel, which is um, the brewing school down in Chicago um, through the Pink Boots. And it was the online concise course, but it was so helpful. And I still use all of my notes and things to this day. Um, I will say, even though I'm not... I don't care for production brewing. Working at Octopi was um, a blessing because I met so many amazing, talented brewers there that really just took me under their wing and really kind of taught me everything that they knew. Very, very cool. And I still reach out to those guys today like, hey, here's my problem. Can you help me? 
Um, I'm constantly on forums. I'm constantly researching and constantly Googling. And then um, just asking as many questions to my network contacts that I have um, when I have issues that arise. And I also try to open myself up to newer brewers who are just starting too. Like, hey, I'm, I mean, I've been doing this for a while, but I still feel new to the industry. Um, I'm not a master of anything at all. And so I try to open myself up as well to these new brewers coming in because helping them also helps me and I think vice versa. You're constantly learning. You're constantly asking questions and getting answers. And so I think that's been the biggest thing is just learning from other people and just really connecting with other brewers. And like I said, Octopi was just a great place to really, really learn. Absolutely. It just sounds like being a resource to other people as well. Like you both have echoed, you know, I've gone to people with questions. And I think, Sarah, maybe I heard you talk about this yesterday. Then you said you wanted to also be a resource in, like, your journey through opening a brewery. So if someone came to you with questions about it, you would, you know, be happy to help. It's kind of like if you if you've gotten help, how do you then give back to those who are starting to climb into this career path and also get started. I think that's fantastic. What challenges in general have you faced so far as a member of the brewing community? Um, you know, I very much did not think I had ever, um, I, I never really thought that I had experienced sexism in the brewing industry, especially looking back on old interviews I had done about being a woman in the beer industry. That was always it. What's it like being a woman in the beer industry? Well, what's it like being a girl back there, you know? Um, so looking back at that, I was always very like, I'm not going to talk about any of my experiences because my experiences, they, you know, it was just that's just how breweries work. With the whole Brewery Me Too movement that's been coming out, I've kind of reflected on my own brewing journey and realized that some of the places I had worked at were actually toxic environments, and I was treated very differently. Um, I also think that something that doesn't get touched on necessarily is also um, looks in the brewing industry. So I'm a bigger girl. And so I think that my experiences as far as sexism goes is more I get questioned on what I know. Um, I'm fortunate enough to say that I've never been sexually harassed in the brewing industry. Um, but definitely I'm constantly getting questioned yeah, just revisiting where I had been in my career and going, okay, these things were toxic and how can we help change that? I think some of the biggest challenges at the start were just my own confidence. Um, again, because I want to learn. So I'm like, I know nothing. It's like, well, okay, well, I have learned some stuff. But once I was just like, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm talking to people. I'm I'm joining brew clubs and and. It has been challenging, again, because I grew up saying, well, why can't I do that? I, you know, and then sometimes I'm like, okay, well, you know, again, that confidence and just feeling, you know, like going into your little shell, uh, and it's exhausting. And so once I finally said, you know what, I am going to open myself up. I am going to do this. I, you know, thought about, again, that like rethinking everything, like every you go back through like your whole life and you're like, Oh my gosh, that was, that was a terrible situation. Uh, but what has helped me has 
push me through are like situations, you know, I belong to a home brew club and we were doing a, a share afterwards after one of the meetings and a beer I had, it was so delicious. I was like, right, I'm going to go talk to this person. It's like, you know, tapped him on the shoulder, asked, asked some questions and he just looks at me and turns back around and turns his back to me. And I was like, are you kidding me? And it's just, we're, we're all part of this club. It's not like I'm just meeting you at a bar and, and something like that. And, um, it was just like, fine, then this isn't the place for me. And rather than just, you know, obviously it was, I was angry. Um, but I was just like, fine, you know what? I don't need you. I don't need that energy. I'm going to, I'm going to spend it somewhere else. Um, and also just being an avid consumer of craft beer and going to bars and wanting to speak to, um, the beer tenders there. And, and a lot of, I think finally a lot of places are hiring people like you need to be knowledgeable, you know, when I'm like, well, Oh, could you, could you tell me what hops are used in this? Or do you, do you know the grain bill? If it's not there, it's just like, mm. you know, I, I was, um, in Portland, Oregon tasting some stuff. And I, I was like, I don't, I was like, I think this is a sour. I didn't order a sour. I was like, Oh, I don't want to say anything in my flight. So finally I was like, okay, but this is not what I ordered. So I was like, excuse me, sir. Um, I, I, this is not what I ordered. I think I got the wrong one. I wanted this. He goes, well, you don't like it. Cause there are hops in there. I was like, <laughs> my husband and I looked at each other like, I don't even know what that means. You know? So it was just like, fine. Okay. I think the other struggle I have is that I'm half Mexican and depending on the season when, you know, I'm very white passing. Um, but when I am darker, you, you know, you see it a little more in the summer. Um, but I have, you know, extremely curly hair. And so it's this mix of what kind of what battle do I want to fight today? What, what battle? And it's just like, I sh I shouldn't have to think about that at all. Um, and I feel like a lot of times like, well, it's easier to fight the battle of like, you're treating me differently because I'm a woman. Um, but they're, you know, understanding microaggressions and, and again, not feeling like you are just going into your little shell and being able to say, you know, it, you don't get this energy from me today. You don't get my time of day. And then just being able to just get through it and catalog that and say, okay, if I were as a manager, as a customer, as a, if I saw that go down, as a manager or customer or anywhere, how would I react to that situation? How would I handle that employee? What would happen? So just thinking about that, be like, okay, I, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And it's just like, I may not need to know why I'm learning this lesson right now, but let me just put it in my back pocket and it's going to come up. Um, and I think that that's what a lot of, a lot, it has been very difficult, but at the same time, like you, I, I have fortunately not been sexually harassed or anything like that within the, the industry. It's just been a lot of these little things that, or larger things of people literally not taking your questions. Um, that's like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Um, and, and part of me is like, I, again, why I say like, well, why can't I do that? And people are like, well, cause it's X. Well, that doesn't make sense to me. Why can't I do this? Why do you have to act that way? Why are you saying that? Um, and, and just kind of, thinking about them, taking them and learning that it's, it's not me, it's them. But how do you change that? Right. There's a couple that stuck out to me. One being, 
if you're feeling not welcome, if you're feeling like you're in a space that's not inclusive, that's not welcoming questions, you have to ask yourself the question, do I want to be here? Mm-hmm. Is this a place that I need to be that's going to help me be the best in my career, the best in my uh, my journey to craft your knowledge, whatever it is. And we, we keep talking about that community you surround yourself with. It's to build you up. And so you, you do have to evaluate, is this the best space for me at this time? Um, and then also I think a point that you made about how would you react in that situation? I think it's helpful to put yourself in shoes that maybe you have never experienced but kind of think about like how would I react to that so that if ever in your experience you do come across that that situation you already have like some thoughts and some plans you've already thought about and I think that's how you can support other people Mm -hmm. in the craft beer industry you can support your coworkers if you know if if there was a, a staff member who kind of heard that maybe they already played out this conversation in their head kind of thought out how can I be supportive of all my patrons I think that maybe there, there's opportunity to kind of think think and identify ways that you can be supportive and it's just understanding where some of those microaggressions come in and then saying you know if I ever run across this I want to step in it, it's going to give you that kind of courage to already do it if you already kind yeah, of yeah and definitely that. like bring it up you yeah. know because thinking that like like instill in your employees, friends, colleagues, family members, mention it because then it just starts to, it all adds up and then it just crashes down. And that's when you're like, what, what is happening in life? Um, and always think about, okay, how did this make me feel? Because if someone comes to me and says that this happened to them, what would have I wanted to hear? What would have I not wanted to hear? And also just, maybe it's just not saying anything and just taking the time to listen and like, let's, let's get through this together. You have an ally in me, whatever it is. And it's just challenging because there are a lot of times where like, well, you know, I don't want to ruffle feathers, but, and you're like, we are not ruffling my, they are ruffled beyond, you know, they're off my body. So, so let's talk, we have to deal with yeah. this. And I think that is, and there are hard decisions and, and in the industry that we are in that, what you are crafting is literally changing your brain, how you are acting. So dealing with customers who treat your staff poorly or treat other patrons poorly and, and vice versa. And if you, and you may have a problem employee who's like, just thinks like, this is awesome. I can drink whenever I want. Yeah. I'll buy you. And it's no, like you have to think about all of this and then understand where you need to say, okay, there, this is a huge issue. This is a, a thing that we need to address, whether it's in our company handbook or, you know, culture or whatever that is, or if it is a single person, because there is the challenge and you have to choose, you know, when do I talk to them? Because they always seem to be inebriated to a certain point. Um, and how do I manage that? So dealing with the product that we are producing and saying we want to bring people in, we have responsibility to the community no, we can't babysit, but we can set the standards for ourselves, for others, for our places of work. And if you break those rules, break those standards, then you are putting more than just yourself in harm or others. It's, it's toxic. Erica, what are your thoughts about, you know, being on the brewing side? How do you, how do you try and make a 
more welcoming space for other women brewers or your customers or you know anyone within your company. I mean, I think that having just having conversations within your company is really helpful, but I'm just kind of curious more from your side, how does that work? I have a very open door policy in my brewery. So I do have an assistant. He's only there once a week. So primarily the brewery is all me. Um, I have a huge open door policy. I let every staff member know you are welcome to come back here and learn and watch and get hands on, you know, um, and I do that with a lot of our customers too. If I make relationships with our customers, I'm always willing to take them in the back, show them around, um, show them how passionate I am about it. And I think there are, like Sarah said, with the man that you had encountered, I would never ever think to do that because that's, again, goes back to that community thing. I love being able to teach people about this industry that we love so much. And so the open door policy is just, I feel fortunate that I've met brewers who have also had that same policy and who are always willing to let me come back there and to expose me to their brewery and to really teach me their ways. And so I, I want that. And I also am, even if it's man or woman, I want people to feel comfortable around me and in my space. And we pretty much have a no tolerance um, policy at work. Um, and we're more brew pub. So again, it's really just me back there. Um, but, you know, we let our staff know that anytime they're not feeling comfortable, whether it's from another employee or from a guest, we don't play that. My owner, she's really wonderful. And she, if someone's making anybody in her Tumbled Rock family feel uncomfortable, she's not afraid to call them out, to kick them out, to, you know, really do what needs to be done. So her employees are taken care of. And I think that's really admirable because there's not a lot of places that do that and that are willing to step in and say, hey, like you said, hey, they're being out of line. I don't feel comfortable. It's more of like, well, they're the guests and they're bringing us money. We don't. The customer is not always right. No, definitely not. <laughs> we don't need that money, and we want people to feel safe in our brewery. And it's the same with my work environment. I want all of the staff to know that I'm there to support them, and I hope they're there to support me. And um, we're a very small unit, anyways. So, if I again, I feel very fortunate that we have these policies and that I'm always willing to let anybody come back and to teach them because it's important to keep this momentum going. Absolutely. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of exciting <clears throat> things for the future of, of craft beer and there's a lot of, you know, progress that we have the opportunity to, to make ourselves as uh, customers, as a supplier, you know, as a top supplier of raw materials, um, as, Brewers uh, being front of house. I think there's lots of ways that we can make a better tomorrow for the craft beer industry. And, and I'm really excited about it. And I think some of this starts with conversations like these, just being candid about experiences that we've had and how you know how they've made us feel and where we could have steered conversations in different directions. And I think that just an awareness really helps a lot for for moving forward. And we're always mm -hmm. trying to move. Forward, right? Right. Forward, so. And I've always been very, I don't like confrontation and I've always been very scared to speak out when I feel uncomfortable, um, especially so, you know, 
it's taken me a lot of time to be able to be like, I'm going to call this brewery out. I learned very quick that it was a toxic, or I realized it was a toxic environment now. At the time, I thought that that's just how brewery culture was. It was acceptable to be treated that way. I called out sick with a UTI. I got a call around noon from my my packaging manager saying, "Um, so what's a UTI? I've never really had one. What are your symptoms? (laughs) I was just like, what? (laughs) And um, it, it was very bizarre for me. But I, again, I just thought that was okay. He was my packaging manager. What was I supposed to say? Well, here's my symptoms. Um, and at that time, again, I just thought that that was normal. And looking back, I'm like, that's not normal. Um, there was also an experience where I wanted to be a brewer and I worked very hard there. I was eight hours overtime. Um, I also, after my shifts, would go hang out on the brew deck and just do what I could, scrubbing mold out of trench drains, climbing on tanks, doing everything that I could to show them, hey, I want to move up. They made it very clear to me that I would not be moving up with that company. And then um, actually a good friend of mine, he got hired as a brewer with almost the same experience that I had. And I was a little upset, but at the time, again, it was just like, well, that's just how it goes. And um, he got the brewing position that I desperately wanted. So I ended up leaving. And when this whole Brian Allen, um, the beer Me Too movement started happening, he actually reached out to me and apologized profusely. And he said, we had the same experience. I got hired. I didn't even, he doesn't even work in the beer industry anymore. He's like, I didn't want to be a brewer. I just needed a job. He goes, I should have stepped back and said, hey, you're the right person for the job. But at the time, again, that's just how it was. And so for him to be thinking about that this many years later, it shows that there is progress that is being made and people are taking accountability. It's no means that it's it's not his fault that they hired him. He needed a job. But for him to reach out meant the world to me. We haven't talked in years. And the fact that he had thought about me was just, it, it made me feel like, okay, we are slowly moving, but we're moving <laughs> in the right direction. It's the acknowledgement of the situation. Yeah. It really was because, again, I was struggling with that, like, it wasn't a bad work environment. And then when he mentioned that, and then I talked to my girlfriend who had also worked there, um, and I said, hey, do you remember, because she she was working there as a bartender, and I said, do you remember these experiences? And she goes, yeah. She's like, it was really bad. And, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, it was. It was. And how can I learn from that? And it took me a long time to speak on it as well because I was so scared because I don't. I don't want to hurt people's feelings and I don't want to be in confrontation, but it's like, now it's like, I'm sorry, but you need to take accountability for how you have treated people. Kind of reflecting back. I think it's a, I think we've hit as an industry an opportunity to reflect back on our, our time as, as customers at um, any brew pub or brewery um, as participants, as a supplier, and say, where could I have done better? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I always think there's that opportunity, but I think we've really hit a pivotal point um, as an industry where we have an opportunity to reflect back and then make significant positive solutions to move forward so that we're, we're building a more equitable industry for everyone. We're building an industry 
where there's opportunity for those who are putting in that kind of work, that kind of passion, and it's going to be reflected back appropriately. So I think we're we're at a we're at a fork in the road here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, and I think one of the things that I always think about as well um, is just understanding because I have been a customer so many places, understanding how welcoming is this place? It's not just, did I get treated well by the male beer tender because I am female? Is it is the music so loud that anyone who either has hearing aids or you know just has auditory processing issues, can they still have a conversation with someone? Is it too dark so that if someone who cannot see well cannot get around the tables? Is there a place for someone, um, if they are in a wheelchair, to go order their beer or sit with the rest of their group without having a whole thing. So just looking at the whole environment of like, what is it going to make everyone welcome? Because I think some places do a really good job with families. Yes, we're gonna allow dogs, we're gonna allow kids, like this is this is what you do, but think about everybody in your life. And you know, is there a place for someone to go to literally just have a beer that maybe doesn't wanna be bothered? And you know, but usually that's while you sit at the bar. And, I mean, you get a handful of people at the bar that they're the chatty Cathy's or, you know, just please don't talk to me. I, I just want to have a beer. Um, so just thinking about the whole experience of what does it mean to be accessible and be welcoming for your community. Sarah, I'm so glad you brought up accessibility. I think that's such a great point to make. When we're talking about, in, you know, inclusivity for all, we do mean for all. I think that's an amazing point to bring up in this discussion of, you know, not just your emotional uh, welcome feeling, but also the physical capabilities mm-hmm. as well. Those are definitely things to think about, you know, as, as you're opening your brewery or maybe taking a look around at, at your own facility mm-hmm. um, and just saying, is this accessible to, you know, everyone that I want to come, have come through the door? That's a great point to make. Really appreciate that. What advice would you give women who are interested in uh, pursuing a career in the craft beer or, or brewing industry? I always tell women to just get involved. Find somebody who is going to take you under their wing and who is going to teach you and show you things. Find somebody that you feel comfortable asking questions to. Um, And don't stop asking questions. And I always tell people like this super generic line, but I'm like, if a door closes, just go through the window. Um, You know, don't stop. Don't get discouraged. We have so many moments in our life where we get discouraged and I think that's another thing in the craft beer industry that doesn't get talked a lot about is our mental health and how we relay it. And so I always tell women when they ask me, like, how can I get involved? Just don't stop. Don't let anybody tell you that you cannot do it. Whether you want to be in the lab, whether you want to be a brewer, bartender, anything, you can do it. It's putting in the work and willing to do the hard work because brewing is not a glamorous job. It's hard work. It's a lot of lifting. It's a lot of sweat. Um, but the, it's it's a fun work environment. Um, and I think my biggest piece of advice that I try to tell everybody when they're applying to work in a brewery is write down on your resume how much you can lift. Because that is something that's really important in the brewing industry is how much you can lift. And that's like my one of my biggest pieces of advice. How much can you lift? I know it sounds really weird, but put it on your resume because you're going to be carrying heavy things, and that's something they want to know. Kind of builds the question, too, so that you, you don't get the question of, like, can, can you do this job? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, 
um, a lot of times too, when you are a woman, you're seen as weaker, unfortunately. And so, you know, I had applied for a job where they wanted to see if I could put a keg in the back of a truck, which is valid because that would have been the job that I was going to be doing. And, you know, um, learning how to finagle your body and to get your right angles. And um, I think with that being said as well, another piece of advice that I try to give um, women specifically is don't be a hero and do not be afraid to ask for help. Do not, I, I mean, I blew my back out lifting a keg off a pallet that was heavy because I didn't want to ask for help because again, we're scared and we don't want to look weak. And now I'm 31 years old with a really bad back. So don't be afraid to ask for help either because you got to keep your body in good shape. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sarah, what you? Yeah, I, I echo that of just don't stop. Just keep going. And even if it takes, you know, every piece of whatever you have in your body and you are so uncomfortable, say hi, follow up on something you've discussed, respond to that email, um, grab the business card just seems so outdated but that's still a thing you know here it is connect with them on social media uh and it is not always going to work people do not always have time for you they want to help you but they might send you to someone else people will straight up not answer you people will be mean to you but it you know I, i don't i feel like i should have a percentage because i do work in numbers but you know you know one out of ten or something it is going to work and it is going to be great and just keep pushing. Uh, I, when I was at the, the Beer Without Beards event, I met a fellow Pink Boots person. Um, and well, I, I didn't know she was Pink Boots. She wanted to, to open up a bar, a beer bar. And my first Pink Boots meeting, I was, I was just so freaked out because I was like, I don't, I don't know anyone. So I was like, I will get a beer and I will sit in the middle of this table and let the pieces fall as they may. Whoever comes and sits, that's what it is. And she sat across from me, and we just struck up a conversation. She's wonderful. You know, she finally was able to open her beer bar and reached out to her, and she has been amazing. She has been so supportive. And, you know, I, she's like, look, let's pay for your sister own beer serving so you can know. I know you know. I know you're eager. And, like, she – it was so great because taking that under that wing, like – she was like, you can do that. Like, you can do X, Y, Z. I was like, no, I can't. I'm not, I'm not this. She's like, no, you are. I was like, oh, maybe I, I am. Um, so if you live in Brooklyn, go to Beer Witch on Bergen Street. Krista is great. Uh, but it is just that, the, and the patience she has and just being like, when you find that person, we finally get through of just, yes, this, this is what it was all for. It could have been years and years of just, you know, unanswered emails. But having that connection with someone is great. And now I consider her a friend. It was so hard for me to move because I was like, I'm going to miss you. Uh, but she's like, anytime, call. And, and it's great. So just just don't stop. Because you're also in the rejections and in the unanswered emails, you're also going to learn a lot about, was it something I said? No. Was it okay? Or this is just the way it is. Um, and I also think it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to when someone says, oh, do you know about this? Or like, oh, I'm doing the XYZ process. It's okay to be like, sorry, I know, actually, don't say sorry. We need to stop saying that. (laughs) 
excuse me, you said you were doing XYZ process. Could you explain that a little bit more? Cause I don't really understand it. And sometimes it's just a nomenclature thing. Sometimes, oh, I actually, I do the same thing. I know what you're talking about. You just happen to call it a different thing. And that has still, I still struggle with that a lot. Like, oh, and we, and we do, ah, and I'm like, I don't, I have no idea what they're talking about. Just, excuse me, just real quick. Could you, you know, or let's put a pin in it and I'll ask you later. Um, just ask questions. And also, I'm just trying to say this for women in general. Don't say I have a stupid question. Mm -hmm. Just no question is stupid. And if someone thinks it's a stupid question, well, then you don't want an answer from them anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's on them. And like you said, really latch on to somebody that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. I latched on to Cat Weast so heavily. Like I was con when I got my first assistant brewing job, I was constantly messaging her and she actually sent me um, a bunch of waterproof notebooks because she's like, take notes on everything. And that was like such a sweet gesture. And so it's it's really nice to have somebody like that in your corner. When you find somebody like that that you feel comfortable with, don't let them go no matter what, you know, because they're going to help you. And like you said, I was cold emailing so many breweries in San Francisco like, hey, can I come out? And um, I work at this brew pub. Can I come out and see your facility? I didn't get one email back except for, well, I got, yeah, I got one email back from Dave McLean from Magnolia. And he said, yeah, he said, come on down. We'll show you around. Our head brewer will show you around. We got there. They got us lunch. They showed us around. The hospitality was amazing. And I think it's important to find people like that because those are the ones you want in your corner. Those are the ones who, if they're supporting you from day one, they're going to continuously support you no matter what. And that's really what I want to be is like a mentor for people is like, yeah, you can do this. It's hard, but you can do this. And then I'm going to assume that if someone were to reach out with you with that same question, because of that experience, you're going to want to help them out too, right? Like you're going to want to fulfill that same mentorship, educational opportunity that you receive because it helps create a better industry all around and, and better you know, community members as part of it. Just increasing knowledge only helps the whole industry. Yeah, and, and I think there are a lot of people, again, they're – there are a handful of people in the homebrew culture that are like, I mean, I could open a brewery, but like it's because I'm, I'm so good. I could do it, but I just don't want to. And it's, you know, um, okay, well, thanks for letting me know that. Appreciate it. Um, I'm going to try and learn. And there are people, and I have actually met some of like some of the, the Pink Boots um, social events that it is weird now. I haven't been in it that long, but kind of coming from, you know, when I was so green of just like, I will do anything. I, can I just come and grain out? And the people were like, yeah, yes, please. If you want to, you know, you want to do some work, come for it. Fine. And it is disheartening when you go to events and people are like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yes, I will do anything. And you're like, here's my card, open door, anything, anytime. And then you just don't hear from them because, you know, I still have a, a day job and, um, I would take PTO to go to a brew day and ask a bajillion questions. Be like, where do I stand? I don't, I don't want to get in the way. Let me help you there. Can you, can you tell me what this process is? And so you're not taking a day off because it, for me, it was just learning a, a new job. Um, and so it, it is disheartening when people say they will do anything and don't, but it is nice 
then when you get that person who's like, yes, hi, we're, you know, when you get a me and it's like, hi, I met you here and this is what we talked about and I would like to do this and I'll be in your area. And they're like, oh, oh no, what have I done? So, um, so Erica, I will be doing that to you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and recently there was, um, um, in our Baraboo Facebook group, there was a mother who, um, wanted to keep her kids busy during the summer. And she said, Hey, I have a, I think she was 14 year old, 14 years old. And I want her to see different jobs. And I said, come on out. And I let her know, here's my brew schedule. They came out. Brewing is definitely not in this girl's wheelhouse. The first thing she says when she walks in is, it stinks in here. And then she tells me she has an interest in writing and poetry. But it was still very cool for her to be able to, her mom to be able to be like, hey, yeah, I want her to see every opportunity that she can have. And who knows, maybe down the line, she might change her mind and be like, yeah, that was actually a really cool thing that we did. And even if she doesn't, she still got to see something that not a lot of 14-year-old kids get to see. And so again, open door policy. Mm-hmm. I think that's terrific. Just, I mean, I think that's terrific for the exposure of all the different career paths, you know, a person could take and kind of exposing them to all those different, different routes that are possible. That's fantastic. I, I noticed kind of a trend in a lot of the comments and feedback that I've gotten is a lot of questioning kind of sometimes yourself and then also having yourself questioned. And do you feel that in your personal experiences, this is because you're a woman and is there any, I guess, takeaways that you, you would recommend for both males and females within the industry to think about as we move forward on questioning people's expertise? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I get questioned more by the consumer um, uh, constantly. And I do think it is because I am a woman. And I'm, I mean, I'm 31, but I'm a younger woman. And they see that, especially when I was, you know, 24, 25, starting out as an assistant brewer, constantly being questioned with silly questions. It wasn't like, hey, what hops are you using? It, they wanted to pinpoint and try to trip me up, you know. And back then it was always like, oh, yeah, okay. And so here we're going to go into this whole technical process and blah, blah, blah. And then seeing their eyes kind of glaze over because they just were trying to get you caught up. Now I feel differently about it. I feel like I don't owe you my knowledge. I'm I'm willing to give you my knowledge if you're being genuine about it. I feel like I've learned when people aren't being serious. And it's like, I don't owe you my knowledge. I don't have to prove anything to you. I have, you know, 15 beers on tap. I don't have to answer any of your questions. And now I just kind of like give a very generic answer. And that's it. We don't need to continue this conversation. Now, if you're genuinely asking, then yeah, of course, let's sit down and have a conversation. I'll go over everything with you. But I don't need, we don't need that. And we don't, we don't owe you anything. And even for men who, you know, feel that way as well. You don't owe them an explanation of the whole history of an IPA. I think I would agree that it's definitely the consumer level of just, you know, you go to order a beer, it's like, oh, what are you in the, you know, what do you like, you know, lady or something? It's just like, okay. Um, but also not kind of stooping to that level or anything. Like you said, like, you don't, you don't have to desert, you don't, you don't deserve this. And um, I'm a huge fan of the Peloton app. 
Um, and my husband always like, that's your therapy, isn't it? I'm like, yes. Um, and my best friend and I always talk about how we're like, how can we become friends with Jess Sims? Because she says the best stuff. Um, or Robin, you know, all these, it, the yoga instructors are great. And it's always, I, f I forget what class it was, but it was like, you earned this energy. You earned this today. Don't give this energy away. Don't give what you worked so hard for today away. Does someone deserve it? No. But you need to be strong enough to be like, yes, you don't deserve this. And obviously, don't go to someone and be like, you don't deserve, you know, my time or anything. But understand where your energy is and just kind of think about what that is. So whatever gender you identify or don't identify with, whatever that is, are you being questioned because someone may not know, quote unquote, who, what you are, or is it because they actually, it, it's actually kind of all about them. They need to make you feel little by doing all these things. So, you know, kill them with kindness, walk away, but it, just understand who you're giving your energy to. And I know that sounds like so crystally space agey. Um, totally yeah, but it's like, it's, but it's, it's so limited. And so do I want to waste my time? on answering someone's question that I obviously feel they ask because I'm a woman and they want to, you know, trip me up, like you said, and they're, uh, they want their gotcha moment. Or do I want to save it so that I can have a genuine conversation with someone who's either interested in what I do, who I am, the brain process, you know, let's talk about science, let's talk about, I don't know, the latest meme, whatever they want to talk about, having that energy for them because that's the respect that, that you want to give them. I think you also mentioned the the self-doubt as well mm -hmm. and that is like I said with my imposter syndrome that's something that I struggle with I'm constantly in my own way on the outside I like exude confidence I'm confident in how I dress I'm confident in my ability to speak even though I keep tripping up I feel confident on the outside but on the inside I'm constantly like oh my god you're not doing enough you're not doing you're not good enough my beer is constantly not good enough. I need to take it to the next level. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And that self-doubt is, it's there. And sometimes when you do get somebody trying to trip you up, it, I will dwell on that for days, even though I'm like, yeah, I don't owe you anything. But then I get in my head where I'm like, oh, oh my God, do I know that? Do I? I know I've been doing this for a while, but maybe, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, you know? And I do think, though, with the self-doubt also comes a better quality because you are constantly doubting yourself and your ability. And so every time I make a beer, I'm like, okay, on the next batch, what can I do different to make it better? What can I do to be better? And so self-doubt is kind of like a blessing and a curse almost. Um, but again, I think mental health is something that's really important in the brewing industry that's not being talked about right now. And... That's something that I've been trying to speak more about and more openly about is like if people are constantly telling you how – we were talking about this last night. Mm -hmm. People are constantly telling you how great you are and how much they like your beer and then you get one bad review and then it's like, well, throw away the whole thing. Phil doesn't like it. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's hard to overcome, but it's like really just really just pushing constantly. But it, it can help make you a better brewer 
because you're not, I feel like find that ego is getting your way. And when you have that ego, you're never growing. You're never bettering yourself. You're never bettering your beer. So uh, I really appreciate your point about, about bringing up mental health in the industry. Do you know of any resources or, or people who are openly speaking about it that we would love to direct you know, listeners to that you know of? Um, if you can think, we'd love to include that also um, to make sure that this is a, a, a safe space for, and we want to create a safe space within the industry to talk about all of these things as well. I suffer from OCD, anxiety, depression, um, you know, the triple threat. And I don't know of any resources in the industry, but it is, don't be afraid to try everything. Again, that persistence of, I want to, I want to break into this industry. I want to do this. It's like, okay, well, I don't, I don't think the way I'm feeling is right. Or how do I deal with this? And it's just like, okay, if medication's not for you, fine. If yoga's not for you, what, what is it? What is it that can help you. And I think use that persistence and don't just throw up your hands and be like, I guess I always feel like this. But I think also with that is you're going to have bad days just as you're going to have good days with any job, with any, but emotionally, you, this is what it is today. This, how do I get through this? And just understand like, this still makes me okay. It's, it's okay that I, you know, really went down this rabbit hole of something. Um, it doesn't change your successes. It doesn't change your failures. It doesn't, it, it's life. And I think admitting that you're having an off day or something, and I think it is more challenging being a woman in the in this industry when you have an off day or a woman in life is like, mm, you must have your period. And it's like, oh my Lord, come on. Um, and it is just, so I think from a young age, we learn to not you know, say when we're, we just have to put on this happy face because of that response. And so speak to others, speak to your partners, your families and all of that. And, and let it be known. Hey, I'm struggling today. I might need a, you know, I, and it doesn't, there doesn't have to be action taken. Hey, I'm having a really bad day. I just want you to know that I don't need you to do anything. I don't want anything from you. I just want to let you know this. So kind of, I'm going to do, I'm going to do me today. Uh, and this is what it is. I'm going to do my job and it might be a hard day, but just, just want to let you know where I am and just let people have, you know, a level set for you. Yeah, absolutely. Just making them aware of just like where you're at is really helpful. I think about that family member tells me I'm having a bad day. I'm probably going to approach them a little differently about the dishes than I otherwise would have, you know, just being aware helps a lot. And I think that, I think that carries over into exactly what you're talking about. Just kind of letting people in a little bit to kind of see and so they can adjust accordingly I think you've, you've now created also a welcome space where if they're also having a time mm -hmm. or a day that they're also struggling they know that you've opened up to them so now they can open up to you and you've just created now a very different environment in your workplace or or within your friends or family setting where it's okay to to kind of create that space so thanks for, thanks for sharing that I definitely think with, again, bringing up Brianne, her Instagram was very therapeutic, as sad as it was. And then now they have, I want to say it's the Embolden Act or Empowerment Act on Instagram. And that's been, a, they do have resources on there. And then I do want to highlight um, Jen Root Martell. She owns South City Cider in South City, San Francisco. And um, she hosts a podcast called Courage and Other C-Words. And it's a wonderful podcast. 
she was starting with just like cidery women and she recently had me on there and now she's kind of going into women who work in the beer industry, kind of just any fermentation. And she has open, honest conversations. Um, she just had a baby and she had multiple podcasts about being pregnant in the beer or in the fermentation industry. And I think that her podcast is really wonderful to listen to if you are feeling down or you're not feeling inspired. Um, and she's just a wonderful, bright human being. And so listening to her speak and listening to the guests that she has on her podcast has can be very helpful. And granted, it's not like a resource, you know, but it's something to listen to when you're feeling down because you kind of can learn like, oh, there are other people who feel like I feel. And, um, and again, with the Embolden Act, or is that what it is? Yeah, I think so, right? They've got, they've been posting really great resources for people in the brewing industry who are having problems. And I think that that's really important and they're doing really important work right now. Thank you.